Marini's Media. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, Bobby's a buddy. Slamal saves St Mirren's keeper crisis, but he can't stop Hibs. Some people actually went to watch football for real. And Alan Campbell was the soup of the day as he came up with the goods for Motherwell. Yes, it's me, Andrew Slavin, back with the fans once again. And joining me from the Telegraph, celebrating another 1-0 win for Aberdeen. Who'd have thought it? JJ, are you a happy man? Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I really enjoyed that Aberdeen game so much. May it be like this forever and ever save and it, ever. Save it for later. Um, and celebrating an even bigger 1-0 win. It's been an exciting weekend in Scottish football. It makes sense. It's Motherwell's senior producer of all of their content, Laura Brannan. Welcome Hello. back. Hello, finally I have a win to talk about. Are you still are you still in cloud nine? <laughs> yeah, it's been brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know you love Alan Campbell. We'll talk about that later. I've also seen that JJ's wrote, written a song about Andrew Considine. Oh, I didn't know where yeah. nah, <laughs> we're nah, going to mention this. Nah, nah, nah. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Um, so let's talk about the show. We're going to be talking about someone who was actually at a match with real fans. Very exciting stuff. We've also brought in something that's called the Transfer Distillery. That's ours. We're going to open it up. Uh, And of course, we'll be bringing all of the in-depth analysis from the weekend all here. So let's go. For the rest of this month, this month being September 2020, you can take out a subscription to The Athletic for the frankly ridiculous price of just £1 a month. That's unrivaled football writing and analysis from the very best people in the business, a brand spanking new breaking news service and ad-free versions of each Athletic podcast, all for just £1 a month. Go to theathletic.com slash Scottish show to get started. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Well, who would have thought that Aberdeen would win 1-0 at home? Everyone, actually. Uh, but that, the good news here is that if you listen very carefully, you may have heard some genuine football fans. As for the match itself, um, show favourite Ross McCrory, although we like to call Rory. him Rory, Rory McCrory. McCrory. He scored Aberdeen's solitary goal. There at the match was our Times reporter pal, good friend of the show, Benji Palmer. How was it, Benji? Bit of a strange one. You've been to the stadium before without fans, I'm sure, but what's it like with genuine fans kicking about? Well, I mean, last week when it was kind of announced that there would be 300 fans there or so, I put up a tweet saying that it would be a soulless kind of event and it's not going to be the same. I mean, you're not allowed to stand, sing, chant or whatever. But it was strangely kind of heartwarming just seeing families kind of congregating again on a Saturday afternoon to go and watch their team and... I mean, it was strange. I mean, it wasn't like a normal Patoji game where you might get the odd burst into song or whatever, but the fact that, I mean, the stewards kind of were lenient and allowing fans to stand and clap and applaud, like, decent passages of play. So so in that sense, it was strangely kind of heartwarming, but certainly um, far from the full experience of fans being in grounds. That was awful kind of them to let you clap. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> well, I mean, I, as in, I wasn't in a ground that had fans, so I'm really keen to know um, what it was like to experience it. But like, from your perspective, Benji, like, were they were they cheating? Were they what happened when the goal was scored? I, I mean, ugh, we're the opposite side of the the ground, and I mean, it was probably quite fortunate that Aberdeen played well because I mean, it doesn't take much for a Petardry crowd to get. Um, on top of our team and start swearing <laughs> at them but um, no in terms of like the goal they were able to cheer it and the, I mean at full time Joe Lewis went across and I clapped at them and kind of uh, paid tribute to them being there as well so um, I mean they were hardly screaming or anything like that but I mean they were, they were allowed to sort of acknowledge the goals going in and, and stand and clap um, that, that wasn't clamped down on or anything were there any like contentious moments or like like uh, tension towards the end that might have caused like in a normal environment fans to really kind of be on the edge of their seats and be kind of quite passionate and emotive? Was there anything like that in the game that could have sparked that? No, no, not as much as I can remember. I mean, it was quite a straightforward Aberdeen win. Kilmarnock had chances. <laughs> um, I think McInnes, wow. McInnes said um, after the game like those three hundred fans could come back every week. Um, so I know it, it was all very pleasant. I mean, but. 
<laughs> like I said, I mean, if Aberdeen were getting beat, then it might have been a slightly different tone. Um, but, but because Aberdeen played well and it, it wasn't a really difficult game for them, I mean, fans were just able to enjoy themselves and, and enjoy being back on the ground for once, I suppose. It sounded quite like Wimbledon at times, people just applauding <laughs> like a cross. Oh, quiet, please. It was almost like a snooker clap every so often, like you're watching yeah. a game of football in a crucible. But I mean, it was. I don't know if you guys watch snooker, let's not go off on a tangent here, but you saw this in this crucible last month, people weren't wearing masks and the crowds Aye. were all quite Aye. close together. I mean, compared to Saturday at Pathology, where the fans were socially distanced, as far as I'm aware, we had to sit in with our family groups. You weren't allowed to sort of meet up with your mates. And everybody was wearing a face mask outside for well, two, three hours or whatever we were there. I mean, in, in terms of safety-wise, I think Aberdeen got it spot on. I mean, the fans had to arrive at certain intervals um, before the game. They were kind of warned afterwards that they'd have to sit about after them. They had to leave when we were told to leave kind of thing. But... It wasn't a long wait or anything, but we were all gone within five minutes of full time. So, in, in terms of the safety side of things, it, it seemed it seemed reasonably safe from, from where I was sitting. What do you think of the game then as well? Because this is this is one one where it was five wins in a row now for Derek McInnes. It, it's, it seems like after the, the start of the season, when they had their own coronavirus hiccup, that um, things are going quite well for Aberdeen. They played quite well in this game, I thought. Yeah, I mean, the COVID sort of outbreak thing is threatened to just completely derail Aberdeen's season and then everybody's uh, sort of questioning what's going on behind the scenes. But strangely, it's kind of been a rallying point for Aberdeen. It's almost this siege mentality. Oh, let's go prove them all wrong. And I mean, five, five wins in the bounce and we're probably playing as good a football as we have under McKinnis since the early years. So... <laughs> Strangely, this COVID Steady. thing. Well, okay, sorry, JJ. Strangely, this um, this COVID outbreak seems to have, have helped the club certainly on the pitch. Anyway, I mean, we seem to have got over it. It's in the rearview mirror, and well, we're, we're playing good football and winning again, aren't we? Well, I was going to say, do you think? Do you talk to any players afterwards? Do they say they made a difference having the people in the crowd? The players seem to enjoy it. Uh, we said you can notice it, and I mean, certainly full time. A few of the Aberdeen players made a point. Going across and sort of clapping at them, but I mean, how much I don't, I wouldn't say that there was a sporting advantage to be had from just 300 fans kind of clapping along. I mean, Greg Kelty, we spoke to him from Kilmarnock, he said you can notice them, but I mean, whether or not 300 fans clapping actually boosted Aberdeen's performance or, or gave them more, I, I think it would be a bit of a stretch. Well, this is the thing, it was a, it's a test event, isn't it? So there's not going to be 300 fans at the next Aberdeen game, is there? That's well, yeah, I mean, the Scottish government were came out quite early last week and saying that we're going to put the brakes on stadia events, concerts, whatever you want to call them, from now on. But Aberdeen still wants 750 in for next weekend's game against Motherwell. I mean, whether that goes ahead or not, I think it's quite unlikely. But in terms of the actual test event, I mean, I, I, I didn't see much wrong with it. I think the club got it fairly mm. spot on, but... Then again, you, you can't really predict what the government's going to do up here, how they're going to react, especially given football and sort of the Scottish football's relationship with the government at the minute. What I did like about the, the test event at Pataudry was they were clearly trying out individual fans and pairs yeah. and groups as well. Because yeah, if you saw the nice. Ross County game, it was all individual fans and mm -hmm. it looked mm -hmm. kind of weird. It everyone looked like was a North Korea kind of <laughs> set up. <laughs> everyone was like in a column. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like dotted around at all. It was very strange. So I think Bataudry kind of, I think Aberdeen sense it was very kind of forward thinking. Um, a bit more community-based. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, what I'll add to that as well is that the club, I mean, it would have been very easy to scatter 300 across all of Pataudry using the Dick Donald, the South Stand, the, the Merkland end. But they wanted, consciously made an effort to squeeze as many people into as small an area as possible with um, abiding by social distancing guidelines just to sort of see how it would work getting people in and out of that area. I mean, you just kind of expand on that when you begin opening other stands. So, but I think Aberdeen are happy with how it went anyway, so that's all we can ask for. Benji Palmer there. Just when we were talking there about hopefully having more test events with more fans, I think Dave Cormack's tweet the other night was really interesting. So he'd kind of pointed out that um, we've ensured the safety of, th we could have ensured the safety of 3,000 fans yesterday. 
which he makes, makes a point that the chartered flight they've got to Stavanger for the European game this week cost them double because they had to ensure social distancing. But he points out that BA flights to London are absolutely rammed solid. There's no social distancing in these flights and yeah. none of these people are tested, none of them are in a bubble. So he's making that point in terms of numbers and close proximity. But I think also he's just saying he hopes that the Scottish government will allow more fans and more testing going forward because for such a big ground like the Tawdry, surely 300 is like a, a drop in the ocean. They could easily have got in thousands of fans there and mm. socially distance them all. So it's good, to, it's good to just see him like pushing the agenda. It's, it's good to see somebody so vocal in Scottish football speaking up and, and pushing the government on this, I think. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd have to take Cormac to get in charge of the entire league if that position became available. I mean, you don't <laughs> want him to leave Aberdeen because he's done so many great things there already. He just makes it look so much more professional. But honestly, that boy kens his tatties, as we're saying. He'd put him in charge of the league and it would make money <laughs> and the thing would grow. I really, just get someone competent in. Yeah, I've, I've really things. been impressed with him since, since this. Uh, well, I've not really heard much from him since before lockdown, but since the last kind of six months, we've heard a lot more of him in Scottish football. And I've just been really impressed with just his opinions and his, his forward thinking and just pushing the, the important people to kind of think more logically. Listen, guys, let's have a quick word on Kilmarnock. 4-0 victory last time out. But what can they take from this match? I, I saw that Greg Kilty did everything he could uh, to help Kilmarnock, but they just couldn't find that elusive goal because, as we know, Aberdeen like to win games 1-0. Um, they had their chances. Yeah, uh, I think they can, what they can take from it is that after Aberdeen pretty much pumped them for about 15, 20 minutes, Dyer changed... I think he moved another player into midfield. They're trying to work it out. I think they start with a 4-4-2 and against yeah. Aberdeen's system, which is like a 3-4-2-1, but it's it's 3-4-3 really. The uh, three centre-backs beats two strikers, like rock, paper, stones. That's the rule. Mm-hmm. But uh, So what they did was have Burke push up much higher on the right. So it's like a lopsided front three, which is basically what Leicester did when they won the league in England. Um, so suddenly they had three players to deal with and that stopped Hayes being able to go forward so much and they weren't able to get another person into midfield and that helped him get back into the game and then it was pretty pretty even later on in the game they changed shape again to match up with Aberdeen but then McInnes locked everything down and went for a final 15 minute shutdown with it I think they looked okay Yeah. Just a, another note on Aberdeen before we go I, I feel like there seems to be a bit of a partnership between Scott Wright and, and Marley Watkins is there anything else you noticed about this game? It's right in Hedges is the partnership. Those are the yeah. boys. Yeah, Watkins has been really good. He moves in and out of space very well. Hedges and Wright are Lincoln, and they're both confidence players. Uh, Wright, especially, I'm really glad he's he's coming on. He's playing a lot like how Peter Pollitt used to back when he used to have a song sung about him all the time. Obviously, at Dundee United now, but he was a big star at Aberdeen for a while. He had the Peter Pollitt baby. Remember that <laughs> all the time. Uh, the real star of it is Ross McCrory. It is like he makes everything better. It's who had his knee wrapped up with with ice at the end. I he know got he a dead got leg. A, he said dead leg was yeah. a dead leg, so he should be yeah. okay. Which is we've well, got a game against Vikings on Thursday. I think is it. That's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, big game, guys. It wasn't the only game that had fans at the weekend because there was also fans at Dingwall. Yep, Ross County hosted Celtic, who smashed five past them. No happy home fans here, but five different goal scorers for the hoops. Uh, Edward scored. A Yeti, I'm sure they'll make a song. A Yeti hits the netty. Deputant Shane Duffy also scored with a head. Uh, Christopher Ayer and Patrick Clamalla sealed another victory. Um, Celtic moving back to a 3-5-2, uh, which Neil Lennon did uh, halfway through last season. Got a lot of plaudits for it. Says it's his favourite JJ. It looks to have worked to full effect here. Yeah, he used the uh, the same system, same shape anyway at Hibs and uh, did very well with it. It gives you three centre-backs, which is very useful in Scotland to deal with um, set pieces, mm-hmm. especially in crosses into the box, as that's what a counter-attacking team is going to do. It also gives you width from your wing-backs. You can, If you dominate the ball like Celtic are, then you've just got these two wingers. You've got a really sta- stable shape because they've got players like Ayer and Julian who can take the ball into midfield it's very useful as well and um, so you've got ball playing centre-backs there and they've got two of the guys in the middle of the pitch who can try to hold it all together I think they'll find a way to get hopefully get Turnbull in like where Tom Rogic was playing before as a, like a 10 mm-hmm. and Rogers used to play like 3-4-1-2 kind of shape wasn't it so you find a way to get Turnbull in I hope because ho- I really don't want him to end up to being on the bench for ages sure. now he's made his move 
well, well, Shane Duffy's made an immediate impact. <laughs> Pretty good goal. He seemed to have launched himself at the ball. Um, he had a bit of a hairy moment in the first half where I thought it was a, should have been a straight red card. I thought so too. I can't believe that no one's... I didn't even like go over it. Well, it seems like the, the, the suggestion is that he got the ball. Um, and I the swear, there, but total it, tinfoil hat moment. If that had been the other way around, I'm convinced it would be a red. Well, like, here's the thing, right? <laughs> I know, I know you have plenty of chances in the game, but what is it? Ross County hit the woodwork twice, um, and Barkas had an absolute blinder with some saves. Um, this game could have went a completely different way, and Stuart Kettlewell said so post match as well. So Ross County have got a few reasons to be fairly pleased, despite it even being five 0 Yeah, there was no way of hiding. Like there was no way that was a, was it five 0 in the end? There was no way it was five 0 And Ross Stewart is having was. a really good season, by the way. <laughs> 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 But this is the thing like it can turn so quickly. Like that Edward, I mean, the guy pulls his arm, right? So Edward goes down for the penalty. So it's obviously a penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's gonna happen. But I thought Duffy was really lucky that the referees read it as he's taking the ball because I've watched that clip a lot of times. Right, he must have had help. He, the, the, he must have had help from his assistant. Definitely, uh, but it's such a difficult um, decision to make, and it's yeah. what the kind of thing that that's where VAR is very useful in England because then they can go through and look at it and get it dead right. And maybe he got the ball. I just the other I thing, feel like those snap ones are easier to give to the big teams. The other thing, uh, uh, there's not an angle to prove it. I don't know if Billy McKay is maybe offside because he kind of blindsides Duffy as well. Well, I so thought that could... maybe what the decision was in the first place. Yeah, rather than it yeah. Being that, yeah. Um, yeah. More I mean, news. I think they've definitely got some positives to take from the game. I don't think they should be too despondent. I, I know on paper it's a very heavy defeat, but I don't think it should harm them too much in the long run because I don't think they see, would maybe like, though they seemed like they were no. the way Kettlewell spoke over that after the game like, exactly what you're saying said there, were, there was no way of hiding blah blah blah, blah. Yeah. yeah and even if you look at previous games like they, they haven't had a heavy defeat this season it's like they're losing games by a goal mm-hmm. yeah. if anything so I think taking previous runs and the positives from the Celtic game I, I, I wouldn't like to see it affect them too badly because it's just it's just a case of Celtic just run a wee bit riot but they didn't deserve it to be five no chance in, in other news guys um, Bolly Bolling Golly's off he's off oh, to oh no he's yeah, on a plane you know, again he is he's, he's, he's on a plane again I, I wrote a joke about Turkey Twizzlers coming back but um, only because he went to Turkey I'm not going to say it I think that's enough uh, he has gone somewhere in Turkey um, so him pissing off to Spain or whatever it is he went to um, clearly annoyed Celtic enough to give him the boot but that does leave Celtic with only one registered left back um, so I'm sure they'll be getting, getting into the transfer market which we're going to talk a bit about, more about later on um, but we'll move on Ross County face St Johnson next and Celtic have got another match uh, midweek against goalkeeperless St Mirren which is what we're going to speak about next Everyone remembers that time you've had that peach of an accumulator looking good only for... Oh, and the keepers let it slip through his legs in the 94th minute. Or the right back has to pull on the gloves and face a penalty. Or Man United have again conceded a late equaliser. But with Paddy Power's Acker Cracker, you get a free bet if one leg of your fourfold plus Acker lets you down on all football matches and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Minimum odds of 1-5 to five on each leg. Online exclusive exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeCumbleAware.org. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Listen to it totally ad-free via The Athletic. Yeah, that's right. This week's Scottish Football Madness came courtesy of St Mirren running out of COVID-free goalkeepers. Uh, Here's how it happened in case you haven't been able to keep up. Yak. (laughs) I I keep calling him Yak, I shouldn't. Jack Alnwick uh, is self-isolating. Um, after testing positive and feels under the weather, according to Jim Goodwin. He then revealed that Dean Linus has been found to have the illness, though it's asymptomatic. And finally, third choice, Peter Urminski tested negative, but was apparently at potential risk of transmission after GPS data from training sessions was examined. So St Mirren wanted the match postponed due to a lack of goalkeepers. The SPFL said no, and then just three hours before the match with Hibs, Bobby's Lamal's emergency move from Hearts was confirmed. They also had uh, goalkeeping coach Jamie Langfield, um, who's 40 and amongst the substitutes. Langfield might have done a better job in the end, actually. 
Oh, <laughs> so harsh. Sorry. Oh, Bobby. Oh, Bobby. I thought it was quite a good acquisition, to be honest. I think he's a good goalkeeper, but he didn't get off to a good start um, because he conceded two goals after 20 minutes. Do you think there's much he could have done about the first one? Kind of snuck under him, that is a bit... No, no. It's not really unlucky about the second or the third, to be fair. I thought the third was was quite funny. I think it always gets funny when a goalkeeper dives and can't quite reach where they're going. That's always... A Never mind laugh. the goal being score, scored by an arm, um, but we'll oh. get to that anyway. Um, what do we think of the whole madness of the SPFL and how they're managing these situations? The question is, has been asked, should this match have been postponed? Right, I, I have a few issues on this. There we go. Um, allow me to start. Um, I think that before you get into the rights and wrongs of should it have been played or not, I think the SPFL set the precedent here about three, four years ago. So I don't know if you guys remember, in 2017, Wraith Rovers had three keepers out due to injury. Mm-hmm. The league wouldn't call the game off and Logan Bayer was meant to sign an, an emergency loan um, and chose not to go. So they were forced to field an outfield player, Ryan Stevenson. At that point, Wraith Rovers asked to get the game postponed and they said no, um, despite the exceptional circumstances of having three keepers out. So I feel the, they set the bar at this stage. So what is the difference between what happened then compared to now? That's, that's because it's I, I would say the difference is the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, but that's not what Laura's saying. What Laura's yeah, that, what's, what's what Laura's saying is that this was this happened before the pandemic. So it's interesting. A lot of people would say I've got sympathy with the SPFL because of the current situation mm-hmm. and because of a potential fixture backlog. Because yeah. we're starting the season. Um, well, no, we've actually started the season at a regular time that we normally would. Mm-hmm. Um, Same date we normally we were going to start it. I totally agree. Like I think that, that they should have just had to find a keeper, which they did, and if not, they would have had to put one of their outfield players out. I don't think it's that. Like, just put someone in goal. No. Come like, on. I get. I get. It's exceptional circumstances because a goalkeeper is a specialised position. So, had it been three outfield players, definitely not. I can understand why they wanted to call the game off, but. Because the SPFL have done this in the past, I don't feel like situation should have changed just because of the reason, like between yeah. it being an ankle injury or an illness or whatever. The other point I had on this was that they chose to isolate the third choice keeper based on the potential risk of transmission. He, that means that he tested negative, but they have done it as a precaution. So I feel like the rules are maybe a wee bit need to be looked at there in that sense because if he's returned a false uh, a negative why is he isolating and the other reason the other thing i had was um they also chose it because of the gps unit he was wearing in training proved that he'd been the other two goalkeepers right Mm -hmm. but my other point was jamie langfield would have been with the other two goalkeepers see when goalkeepers go to train they train separately with the coach the coach is just as involved as the, the, the players but Jamie Langfield wouldn't—he wouldn't have worn—he wouldn't have worn a GPS unit though. Mm. So, why is he allowed to continue having obviously tested negative, yeah. whenever the latest test was, and he's allowed to continue, but the third keeper isn't? To me, they're the same. I don't know. Having watched Jamie Langfield throughout his career, he couldn't catch anything. Oh! <laughs> Way. Shocking! No, Shocking. he's actually a very good goalkeeper, Jamie Langfield, and a great guy. <laughs> However, uh, yeah, it sounds like St Mirren should basically be running the test and trace. Uh, thing for the government. Bear in mind, Hibernian faced their, their own issues with the SPFL when Alex Gogic uh, tested positive, then negative, and yeah. had to deal with the SPFL, and, and then everything changed within 24 hours. So I don't know how much support the SPFL are giving, um, but they're certainly providing headaches for clubs at such a short notice. But let's talk yeah. about the football in this game. Good news for Hibs because, well, they're back to winning ways. And one thing I did notice was they went back to the four four two system um, with uh, Kevin yeah. Nisbet coming straight in and it looked to suit them straight away. Yeah, Nisbet news. He's back in the goal town. Although he, he didn't, I don't think he knew too much about it, but he picks up no. so many good positions and he was pivotal for the second goal as well. I think he's got a superb first touch. It's much he better when I've got Gogic in the team. I think having these holding players is really important. And Jonio's really uh, decent next to him as well. Uh, he's played. had a few really good games for Hibs this season. He's been great in that position in the midfield. And again, in the central two, Boyle played well here again. I think he's been really well supported by Palm again behind him, yeah, overlapping all the time. Though. So it's like Boyle, they, they play a front two, but Boyle becomes the third forward when they go forward because yeah. McGinn overlaps. And then you get Murphy in the left, who's uh, he, he can play as well. 
I think. I mean, I don't think St Mirren were awful here. I think they had that unfortunate goal that went in the first one. The third one that kind of looked over the goalkeeper. What was the second goal? Who scored that one? That was Newell's, wasn't it? Newell's scored the second, yeah. No, no, no. Portis, Ryan Portis with a handball should have been a penalty, and it's hilarious. Ryan Portis is Hadouken in the penalty area. Oh, and a big shout there for a penalty by St Mirren. It's come off Ryan Portis's hands, it would seem. How's he get away with that? <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. Two hands, and he Hadoukens the ball away. It's that is and the way he looks is funny because the camera catches it brilliantly. And they talked about <laughs> it. The, they, they talked about it in the sports scene studio um, how he's he's looking at Willie Collum. He, he kind of <laughs> was like, did he oh. did he not see it? Did he not see it? Oh my I mean, God, this is fantastic. So yeah, yeah to, and then and then to add insult to injury, it was um, Boyle's goal for the third. He, he he puts it in with his hand. So a bit of a kick in the balls for. for it's quite Mary ironic that there's so many um, hand balls going around here in the game when Samaritan didn't have a goalkeeper. It's like they're all going to have addition for the chance. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just rubbing salt in the wind. Interestingly enough, JJ, you did point out that they're much better with Alex Gogic. And I wonder if it's just having those holding midfielders. Hibs haven't conceded a goal from open play yet. So that's quite an interesting little stat for them. Considering it wasn't that long ago we were, you know, criticising them for being too soft. So the last season. Yeah. That's why I said it wasn't that long ago. Exactly. Uh, And that's when it signed Gogic. (laughs) But um, next up for St Mirren, they're uh, up against Celtic, of course, on Wednesday. Uh, And Hibs host Rangers to Easter Road at the weekend. So we shall move on. Templeton into the back. There's Monroe. What a goal! 18-year-old Kyle Monroe with five minutes to go for Hamilton. Move on to Hamilton claiming their second win of the season away at Livingston. Um, they took the lead, actually, Livingston, a minute from kickoff. But Brian Rice says he always believed in his Aki's side as they came back with the goals from David Templeton. And a deputant 18-year-old Kyle Monroe, which is an absolute superb what moment for the lad. a header. Oh, my God, he properly sticks the nut in it. <laughs> so good. Like, the run is so well-timed. The cross is perfect for it, like, the proper height. And he yeah. smashes in. His, uh, the post-match interview they got with him, I saw it in yeah. the sports scene. It's really nice. He's only 18, isn't the boy, isn't he? It's just the, like, yeah, the, the exciting teenager that he is. It was funny. He's like, I didn't know what to do. Didn't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> just saw the lads coming at me. I fell on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's how he sounds. I know that's really terrible, but there's um, a never like Hamilton just brings through all these young players. We've been through it. It's the magical reservoir that runs beneath it, or something like that. But there's never Regan Mimno has been playing really well. He's had yeah. four games so far. He is just below Tavernier, Kent, Christie, Barisic, and Turnbull for key passes per game. Brilliant from those. From those, this is really impressive for an 18 year old just in his breaking into the team. Well, he, he'd even started for them last season when he was 17. Um, yeah. He's certainly a prospect. But as much as they've got prospects, I really want to highlight David Templeton um, because he was pivotal. Him coming back has shown how much of a massive player he's going to be for them and in, in making sure that they finish 10th. Aye, Templeton. Uh, I mean, he's had a good career, hasn't he? But he, like, man, he's playing really well just now. And he ran that, he ran that mm, game for Hamilton, yeah. especially second half. Uh, but that's what they need. They need players like Templeton to set the standard and then the young ones can see that's where they need to get to to be able to finish 10th. <laughs> yeah. Was it we, um, Brian Rice uh, said, everyone knocks us, everyone puts us down. Um, we don't get any plaudits uh, and we have to earn everything we get. So I think we've been fairly positive on Hamilton for I a while I think we now. give them plaudits. Well, we do. I'm sure he's not referring to us. I don't like that attitude. It's like, you, you do need to earn your plaudits. You're, you're right. Like you, you don't just walk out and we all just bow to you and say you're very good when you've not been very good recently. So I think we're quite right to have that opinion. And if he's taking offence to it, then go and play better football. He's also doing the siege mentality bit. It's, yeah, how, you get your, right. it's how you get your players to um, feel like it's the world against you is you say that everyone's exactly. against us, they're all against you. Ferguson yeah. used to do it for Man United. Well, that should fire you up. Yeah, do that. Yeah, do that in the dressing room, but don't sit, don't come out to the media and complain that the media are writing you off. Because in that case, you just turn around and go, "Well, play better football then," and show us that we're wrong. Whereas I, the players, if that's going to find out the players, say that in the dressing room before the game. Don't say it to the media. So, so listen, is. guys. What what about what about Livingston? Um, we had Andrew on Twitter expressing concern, saying, "Is there anything to be concerned about 
Livingston. They lost just twice at home last season, but Saturday's defeat against Hamilton was their second in seven games in this campaign. Obviously, it is way too early to get nervous or start saying they're going to be panicked. They're still part of that bottom half of the table we've been seeing all season long. But um, losing Lawless and Dykes, who were their two most important players going forward last season, is going to make a huge difference. And, I mean, they'll be in amongst it all the way through. But it's not looking amazing. They're not quite as hard to beat as they were last season. And I think... Once you lose that momentum, like like last season they had momentum because they were going into games knowing they can be hard to, to beat and they can snatch a win or something like that. But when you maybe don't have that repeating every single week, the players might lose a little bit of the impetus and the buzz that they go into games being excited because they can get something and it yeah. could change quite quickly. Well, it could be confidence too, but I, I do wonder That's if I mean, you yeah. know Livingston are going to be... Livingston are a, a, a team who, when their players do well, they're going to sell them on to bring money in that that's all fine and well but there comes a point and I think maybe Livingston are at that point now where the players that they've brought in what last season they lost Halkett Declan Gallagher um, and a few others that I can't remember and they seem to replace that the defensive line fairly well but this season like you've said the 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 forward thinking players that they have lost they haven't really replaced that well and they've brought in uh, James Forrest's brother Alan Forrest um, who seems to have taken up uh, Lawless's role as a winger and he's a decent it, player yeah, Alan he's, he's, yeah. a, he's a decent little player but it's just that that little uh, kind of mental link it hasn't really worked and they've, they've brought in this Lars Lacoche from the absolute nowhere forest in Europe um, <laughs> <laughs> like he's just a tall guy who, who got an assist uh, for Scott Pittman's goal, which was wasn't Scott Pittman's goal, it was Sh- uh, Sean Want's goal, uh, an own goal for that matter. So yeah. I don't know. It, it might just take a little while. Livingston might come good eventually, but I think they've lost too many players in the last two seasons um, to really expect a lot from them. Even though they have been so good at home over the past two years, but life gets tougher for Livingston because they've got fe- they've got Celtic. <laughs> Keep that in. Keep going. Yeah, they've got Celtic next. Uh, yeah, life gets tougher for Livingston, unfortunately, for them because they face Celtic next. It's the Forest Derby because, like I said, Alan will play his older brother James, and Hamilton are going to hope for back to back to back wins <laughs> for the first time possibly ever. Uh, haven't checked that when the last time they won three games in a row, um, but they take on Kilmarnock. So we've got two more games to go. Well played from Alan Campbell. Still Alan Campbell. Oh, that is a terrific goal from Alan Campbell. All right, it's your time finally, Laura, to talk to us about Motherwell actually winning a football game. Uh, Alan Campbell uh, with the goal after only four minutes of play um, to seal all three points. So I've heard that you're starting a wee Alan Campbell football club. Football club? (laughs) Supporters club? Fan Fan club? club. (laughs) (laughs) If Alan Campbell is not your favourite thing in football right now, you are not watching the right players. He is <laughs> perfection. Really? <laughs> well, well, okay, he's still very young. I'm not going to use the word perfection yet. Look, he is very easy to watch him and say he is a, like a fighter, a tackler, a warrior. He's fearless. He's hungry. They're all buzzwords that are absolutely spot on. But what I see behind the scenes makes me so confident that he is going to make it big. Um, in the long run Mm. because his for example his dedication is next to none he is the fittest guy in the squad by far on the the first day back of pre-season he could have ran the bleak test twice it was a Mm. foregone conclusion that he was going to be the the last last man standing he has created he has developed oh what's the word for it he has um, constructed a gym at home out of his garage so he's built his own homemade gym and over lockdown he worked in it like it was a full-time job. It was just all day, every day he was working in it. So he's, in terms of his dedication and his character as well, he's first in, he's first in the morning, he's last out at night, he's so dedicated that he had his last season, had his, a new contract to reward him for the dedication and it was also a kind of sign to show to other younger boys, if you are like Alan Campbell, this is what you can get out of it. And it's also just his, his personality as well. He is one of the most articulate, smart, inquisitive footballers I've ever met. Um, I, I've, I've had a fair share of meeting a lot of 
dumb footballers over my time. Uh, <laughs> he is not one of them. He is extremely smart for a 22-year-old. Um, so articulate if you actually sit him down and actually talk to him in an interview. I just feel like he's got he's got an overall all-round game just now and the fact that he is building on his goals as well. Um, he got, I think it was six last season and to have two already at the start of this season. I mean, he's top goal scorer for us right now. Um, so in that sense, if he can continue to build on his goals, I think we're just going to get a fantastic player. He's he's the key to our midfield right now. He's a key to our entire team. Well, yeah, you've, uh, you've kind of you've kind of summed up what Stephen Robinson was saying. He was saying like every footballer, if every footballer was like Alan Campbell, life would be easy. Um, and I know he backed up. Uh, what is he scored for the under twenty ones for Scotland as well against Lithuania? Yeah, scored um, a winning so, goal. So yes, he he does feel like he's starting to become a bit of a complete footballer, and maybe that's the thing. I mean, maybe, he's been around for so long as well, though. Yeah, Sorry, you were going right. to say maybe, maybe what? <laughs> I was, I was saying maybe Steve Clark might be looking at him as a, as a potential, not, not as a, as an immediate starter yet, but um, just to bring him into the the Scotland squad. Um, yeah, I mean, like he's he's been around since he made his debut in two thousand sixteen, and he has been a regular, a starter, pretty much ever since. To be honest, I think he's needing about one hundred and fifty appearances now for Motherwell. So, for him to be at that age, I think he's twenty two now. Um, for him to be so young and have, be that experienced with regular football, you don't get that very often. And it almost feels as if everyone's just sort of like, oh yeah, Alan Campbell, yeah, he's, he's there. We're, we're so used to having him now. He's, he's not tipped as the next big thing coming through. Uh, but in terms of, of Scotland, it's I understand like he's, he's in a position that is so in demand right now for the national team. But his ability... Will show that in time he will be he will be a regular for Scotland in midfield. Um, whether he has to move on to call. another club to do that, I don't know. But he is he's got the ability to be he's a, he's a future captain of the the Scotland team. Oh, the whole that's Whoa. a big one. Whoa. That's uh, that is a like, to be call. honest. He Record might, he that. Might, remember that, everyone. He, he in ten not. years' time. <laughs> well, how long is his contract at Motherwell? How long has he got he, left? His contract's up at the end of the season. Right. So he's either going to end up at Aberdeen, probably, or Celtic. So he's either going to be Aberdeen, then off to England, or Celtic and uh, <laughs> the next Scott Brown replacing him? No, no, no. no. Don't, don't see that happening. No, no. He's going to stay at Motherwell. <laughs> oh, well, hopefully he'll stay at Motherwell, but... Um, <laughs> he's I, off. I'm, <laughs> I, no, no, like, I'm not involved in anything like this. Uh, the longer, the long, the, as long as we can keep him, that would be amazing. The, the team will definitely benefit from having him around for as long as possible. But we don't like. It's the same as it's, it's the same as the David Turnbull thing. He's such a talented player. We know he's not going to stay around forever. And no matter what team he goes to, he will go and build on his career and go go high. Uh, when I did an interview with Stephen Robinson a while ago, I remember it was he was on about Campbell saying the exact same stuff about him. Like he loves him. Yeah, that's incredible. The the yeah. commitment of that boy, the determination. I mean, I went up to the gym yes that other morning, a couple of mornings ago, about an hour before the boys were due in, and he's sitting up there on his own working out. Before anyone's due to come in the morning. Was he, was he like, <laughs> did you hear I did over a thousand? <laughs> <laughs> he heard me on the door and somebody picked up a weight. 942. As soon as you walk away, he's back in the game, boy. I, <laughs> I interviewed him during lockdown and asked him about his, his, like, what he'd been up to and stuff. And he's telling me about, he's like, ran a 10k day and I've done this in the gym and I go back in after my dinner and do this. And I'm sitting there going, I've just opened up another tub of ice cream. <laughs> This is my lockdown uh, habits. I am not comparing them to what he is doing because he's making me feel ridiculous right now. Well, look, Campbell, Campbell might be uh, soup of the day, but um, let's talk about St Johnston. Um, had the chances, but it just wasn't there. To... <laughs> JJ, did you like that one? Or did you hate that That was one? funny, yeah. <laughs> I liked it. Um, you've been watching St Johnston, and try, haven't you, JJ, for a little while to try and figure out kind of what their style is, what their system is, but it wasn't their day against against Motherwell, even though they had some glaring chances, like the Stevie May one, for instance. We touched on it last week based on that 2.1 article, and I haven't watched the whole game this week, so I can't tell you too much. From what I have seen, Stevie May's back to missing chances. <laughs> <laughs> that was you an see that? awful mess. Awful. Was, that was a I mean, bad miss. But where would you hit it, right? Because he tries to put it across the far post, which is probably the right shot. But you could yeah. try and punt it in the top right, maybe. You could cut into his left. It's just Yeah, it could have. But I think I think if you ask any striker, you would be mm. looking for the far post, always. Yeah, that's what he went. I, I, don't, think, I don't think he, he obviously clearly did not get a good enough connection on it. It looked a bit of a sclaff to me. Yeah. But yeah, see, Justin, they look half decent this year. I think they're going to be okay. They might even push for top six. Who knows? But yeah, uh, they're not playing in Europe. 
Unlike Motherwell, who are they playing Coleraine, are they? On That's right, they're off to are you going to? Island, yeah. aren't they? I am, yeah, we fly nice. out on Wednesday Wednesday morning for the game on Thursday evening, so looking Lovely. forward to yeah. going on a plane and getting a European game, a European trip. Are you disappointed trip. it's Northern Ireland and not like somewhere? <laughs> to be honest, I'm just, I'm just happy it's an away game. Um, I just All that build-up last season to go on a European trip, um, it kind of felt like a, when it was one leg at home, it just felt a bit like, oh, all that for, for that. So it's <laughs> lovely to actually get the chance to go away. I'm just so gutted that it... I mean, see if that was... The fans getting to go to Northern Ireland, it, so many would have travelled over for it because it's so close. Yeah. It's just it's such a shame the way it's worked out. But from a selfish perspective, through. I'm going to enjoy going over <laughs> Yeah, it'd be brilliant if they get through. Um, but for St Johnston, they've got Ross County next. Uh, but we're going to move on and talk about Rangers against Dundee United. Yeah, that's right. The last match we're going to get through. Rangers smashing four against Dundee United. Um, and Rangers are still yet to concede a goal this season, marking a new record in the process. We had Ryan Kent, James Tavernier, Kamar Roof and Scott Arfield uh, all amongst the goals. But the big news from Rangers really is the amount of injuries that they've been able to mark up. Now it's what Leon Balogun got injured in the warm-up, so um, Hellander had to come in. Ryan Jack pulled up after about 11 minutes. Brandon Barker after about 21 and then Alfredo Morelos um, came off as well and add that to, uh, or sorry, add Joe Aribo onto that injury table and then you know, now you don't you don't really kind of feel It's a big table. Uh, <laughs> it's a big table. I was gonna say you can understand that Gerard's calling for an acceleration in recruitment. Um so <laughs> he's been in too many is, business management meetings. Despite, despite all this this negativity, they're still playing some really good football at the moment. I kind of feel like are they are they really gonna be that that bothered with, with all these injuries out? I know Gerard will want his best players. But it seems like they're doing pretty well. Um, I've got a decent squad. Um, one thing you can definitely tell from this season and this game particularly, Ryan Kent is a player now. Oh my god! Like hundred percent. And like the things I've noticed that he's doing differently are when he receives the ball. If he, if he drops deeper to receive it, what I think he was doing last season was he'd take it and then he would pass it sideways and then go. But now what he's doing is he's taking it and trying to turn straight away. He's so he's making sure that his next action is forward. Mm-hmm. And it's like it sounds very simple. But if you receive the ball with your back to goal and then you pass it backwards, the play is stuck in that part of the pitch. But if you take it and you can take it on the half turn and spin, so it must be a bit of coaching on there. And he looks really confident in everything he's doing. Every pass is designed to get the ball back to himself. Like the one-two he plays for the for the goal completely yeah, yeah, yeah. takes Butcher out, like completely does him in, gets in. The finish is great as well. But it's the movement and it's really aggressive play from him. It's the kind of thing that he's definitely been like, talked into in the training ground by either Gerard or Beale, whoever's getting into him. They look 100%, great. 100%. I totally agree with Kent. There seems to be uh, something really different about him. He's always had critics saying that he needs yeah. to improve his numbers, but I think he's already smashed his numbers in terms of goals and assists over the last two seasons for this campaign. Um, he looks like every time he gets the ball, something's always going to happen. And and I think, you know, you look ahead to their game against Gibraltar, that's not really going to stuff them. I think they've got the squad that can get through that game quite easily um, in Europe. What else for Rangers as well? Like They just seem to not concede goals. It's unbelievable right now. It's particularly good if you're a fantasy Scotland footballer player <laughs> and you've got plenty of Rangers defenders in your team. It just They just seem unbeatable right now. Yeah, if you've not capped up a Rangers defender in your fantasy team, you're not going to win. <laughs> One thing I'd say about this game in particular is uh, like Rangers are very well organised, right? Very defensively very strong. I don't think Dun United were that bad in this game. I don't think they played badly. I think they just got beaten by better players. And yeah. you saw it's a couple of moments like uh, Butcher getting taken out by the one the one two from Kent. Just a better play would have read it. Um, I think there was a, a ball across the it went across the box for the Tavernier goal. I think. Yes. And Robson was tracking Tavernier. I think touched on the sports scene, but you can see it clearly at the time. the The defender at the front post should have got rid. And yeah. again, a, a better player or now he'll maybe learn from that. Wouldn't have let that go across him. And there's just little bits and pieces where you can see a tiny movement here, a tiny bit of a read there, and Dundee United might be okay. But Rangers players are just better man for man, and that's what happens. You just lose those games. I don't think that Dundee United fans will be happy with this one, though. I, I don't think that they'd be happy with the performance. There's been some players that have just not, not quite getting past marks this season. Like Seagrass has obviously been a class above the rest. I think yeah, he's, he's, he's been really the difference in so many games. But the likes of like Harks, Pollock... Um, powers that 
they need to buck up their ideas. I don't think they're really performing as as well as the, the, we know they can. Um, I oh, feel like I don't know about that. I feel like defensively and even midfield. I feel like especially in this game, they're just non-existent. They're playing Rangers. Like, I know, I know. That, that's the thing. It's it's not the game that United would be expecting to necessarily get points from compared yeah. to other games this season, but. Considering the start that they've had, and United are a very, still a very big club, so although what's happened in the past, they will still be hoping, fans will still want to go into a game against Rangers and still challenge them. So to come out of it with such a heavy defeat and that performance, I don't think they'll, they'll, be, they'll be that happy with it. Uh, yeah, I think, I think Dundee United have shown that they, that they will work hard for each other in this game, even in this game. But, you know, it's only two wins so far this season. The rest have been defeats. But, that's I mean, be, that's even last week, it's Kilmarnock. Difficult for players to, was... to get... There's no, there's no momentum with Dundee United at the moment. Yeah. You know, this idea that they've came back into this division, they need they need to get a little bit of a run of consistency. They've, they've been missing Lauren Shankland. I know he came back for this game, but the only chance he did get, it was a really poor effort on goal from him. And they need to get him back firing... Um, because Nicky Clark is as a decent as a striker he is, he's not yeah. going to be he's not going to be the the real potent threat that Dundee United need. Yeah, but obviously, but I mean that's an obvious thing to say. Like you need to get Shanklin to score goals, you need a striker to score goals. But I think you got to put it all in context. Chest up, their first game. What was it? Uh, first game they played in the new new season was against St Johnston, wasn't it? And they drew that. That looks to be a pretty decent result because it's St Johnston. They beat Motherwell away. Good result. Um, Hibs were flying at that point. They only did them 1-0. Then they beat Ross County, who everyone's been talking up to doing really well. Then they played Celtic, only lost 1-0. So again, they're playing very well and they were good in that game too. And then they lost 4-0 at Kilmarnock. All the goals were mistakes. All of them individual errors and I thought they played actually okay in that game as well. Then yeah. they get pumped by Rangers now. And again, it's just they're playing a much, much better team. If they if they went in and sat in a low block that like everyone does and just tried to deny them the space and break Rangers down then you probably have found that they'd lose 1-0, maybe 2-0. But here, it said they just opened up a little bit more and then they got beaten by just a few little errors that will get away over the season. And it's so early in the season to be saying that those players aren't turning up. Like Paulette, like if you look at even on... This is a bad way to do it, but look at like who scored. Like Paulette's one of their top-rated players. I think they've been okay. How much do you think that Celtic defeat crushed them, though? Because they... I can't remember how late was the goal. Was it like mm. 83 minutes or something? They... they fought and fought for the majority of that game and it looked like they were going to try and like scrape something out of it and you could see like how crushed the players were when that goal went in because it was Maybe. all that hard work just it fizzled out after that and then it was two heavy defeats following that like if they'd held off to get that nil-nil against Celtic I just I feel like the, the mentality would have been so different going to the I know the scoreline's heavy but I don't think the defeat was heavy against Kilmarnock like it definitely wasn't it was a, it was such a tight game that there's no way it should be four 0 Kilmarnock and Rangers there again. I don't think it was a four 0 Rangers are a much better team, and I think Dundee United fans and players would say the same thing. Yeah, fair enough. Disappointment for Dundee United. Uh, we should also mention James Tavernier, two hundred and fifty appearances now for Rangers, um, and he and he capped it off with a goal. So looks like he's having you know one of the seasons of his life as well so far. But that's all the fixtures dealt with. So we're going to head off to what we're calling the transfer distillery. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media and The Athletic. Just before we find the keys to the distillery, we're going to have a wee look-see about what's happening in the world of Paddy Power with producer Abby. First up, Abby, Celtic are facing St Mirren on Wednesday and no goalkeepers for the buddies. So what are the odds on Celtic to score four or more goals? So Celtic obviously the favourites in this one. Uh, for them to win 4-0, it is 9-1. For them to win 3-0, it's 11-2 and 2-0, 5-1. But let me put that into context for you. For St Mirren to win 1-0, it's 35-1. For Celtic to win 2-4, it's 33-1. Hmm. Well, what about Motherwell after their first win of the weekend? How's the, how the top six market shaping up? Yeah, we'll be keeping our eye on this uh, top six market. Obviously, Celtic and Rangers not included in the betting here. And Aberdeen are now uh, favourites to finish in the top six, one to 18. Hibs are second favourites, one to 12. Dundee United's still up there, 11 to 10. And uh, Motherwell's odds have come in uh, considerably. They're also on 11 to 10. Livingston, though, who at one point were two to one, all the way out at 11 to four now. And everyone's favourite result. Uh, What about Aberdeen to win 1-0 at home to Motherwell this weekend? 
Yes, our favourite result, the Aberdeen 1-0 win, and it is the preferred outcome here. 5-1 uh, for Aberdeen to win 1-0. Aberdeen are 4-5 to to win this match with Motherwell just 7-2. to Wow, thanks a lot, Abby. Um, of course, you can find these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop, please. Hello, what have we here? Why, it's the sweet, sweet smell of transfers. Soak it up, boys and girls, for the doors are about to slam shut. Oh yes, on October the 5th. <coughs> Which is kind of a weird day to kind of finish the transfer window. Um, but with us to keep up to date with all the goings on in the transfer distillery, it's the master himself, the master puppeteer behind the strings at Sky Sports News, Anthony Joseph. How are you, man? Hello, guys. Yeah, I'm good yourself. Doing Very right. well. Try to get through this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But let's start. Let's start with Rangers. A quadruple injury list. It's a massive trans. Uh, what is it? Massive injury table. We've spoke about already in the podcast. How has this affected Stephen Gerrard's plans? Um, and it looks like he wants to get straight back into the market. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's affected his plans too much. All it's mm. done is made him a bit more desperate. They were already <laughs> looking for a midfielder, and more desperately now after Ryan Jack and Brandon Barker got injured at the weekend. So they're likely to miss out on Thursday's Europa League tie with Lincoln Redimps, but potentially even a bit longer. There's been a lot of talk about Daniel Johnston at, Daniel Johnson sorry, at Preston. Uh, he was not in their squad for their 1-0 defeat at home to Swansea at the weekend. So everyone was, went into a bit of a frenzy thinking that, oh, that must mean he's, he's coming to Rangers now. Well, Preston have come out today to say that they've had no bids agreed for any of their players. So that includes Daniel Johnson. And manager Alex Neal has said today as well that Johnson is in contention for tonight's CFL Cup tie at Derby. So that may be happening. We don't know for sure. But uh, it's certainly Preston are saying that no bids have been agreed. But the fact that Rangers are looking for a midfielder, they have been during this window. I've it's maybe a question for JJ, but should they have let Ross McCrory go to Aberdeen so soon? Yes. Can they recall him? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Because, oh, well, maybe potentially because it's a loan, but Aberdeen still have the obligation to buy. So that would, Aberdeen would get him at the end of the season, wouldn't they? Yeah, I, so, I would think that's surely. I don't, I don't, I don't think that. they, yeah, I don't think there would be a recall option. It's good. The reason why they wanted him on loan this season was because Gerard didn't want to play against him. So you would think, well, surely maybe he was decent backup for them, and mm. maybe they've let him go too soon. I don't know. Can't hold him back. Can't hold him yeah. back. <laughs> let the boy play. Yeah, no, that's that's the reason. Thing. In addition, at Rangers, they want a resolution to the Alfredo Morelos situation. It's been rumbling on, and they don't want it to affect their plans and their ambitions for this season. He's been linked with every club on the planet. There's been reports that have claimed Bayer Leverkusen have made an actual bid for him, but we have not had that confirmed. But one thing we do know is that Rangers really want a resolution to this situation soon. Interesting. And I, maybe that might fund a, a new midfielder because they do obviously have the likes of Cedric Etten and Kemar Roof that, that have came in. Um, yeah, they've certainly so got plenty of options up front now. What about Celtic, Anthony? We've seen volleyball and Golly um, off to... He's on a plane again uh, to Turkey uh, on loan. How have things changed there? Because it looks like uh, they only have Greg Taylor at left-back now. Yeah, he's the only natural left-back at the club and they let Johnny Hayes go and they let Calvin Miller go as well. So Celtic's priority since they got Shane Duffy in is, has been to sign a left-back. And I think that suggested that volleyball and Golly was always going to be going on loan first, and then I think they will try and offload him in the summer. They had a loan bid rejected from PSG for the Dutch under-19 international Mitchell Backer, and he has since told PSG Chiefs that he wants to stay and fight for his place in the team. So that suggests that that's maybe off the table, certainly for now. Um, I'm not sure they'll go back in for him. They would also like a centre-back and a winger, but they're not desperate for them. They've expressed interest in Omar Colley and Mark McKenzie. Um, with Colley, they made an inquiry to Sampdoria, but in his contract is a £10.8 million release clause. So it's very unlikely Celtic will break their transfer fee record unless they were to sell 
sell big for someone like Ayer or Cham or something like that. But I do th- Celtic do want to keep both of those players. Uh, Mark McKenzie is a young USA international at Philadelphia Union. Celtic, who have a permanent scout in America, have asked to be kept informed of any developments involving him. Are they in for Aaron Hickey, or is that just he's gone to Bologna? I, yeah, he's he gone? gone to yeah, he's gone to Bologna. Um, I think there was interest, and there was definitely talks of some sort. Aaron Hickey was high in high demand, as you can imagine. Uh, but I no, I don't think there was any concrete concrete offers for Hickey. Yeah, it was interesting. He spoke to Stephen Naismith for some advice, and um, it was Naismith that's, that kind of gave him the advice of, you know, why don't you go, rather than go into a big team, go somewhere that want you to to be a starter. And it seems like you know Hickey was. God bless him. He's so excited to be over there because I think he could be up against the likes of um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and you know, Paulo Dybala and Ronaldo in the next couple yeah. of games in Serie A. So exciting times for him, but not so exciting with St Mirren. Uh, a bit more yes. of a, a headache. Speaking of Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, bit, of a, bit of goalkeeper drama. What was it like um, from your side of things watching this drama unfold with St Mirren losing all three goalkeepers effectively. Yeah, it was quite a strange one a bit. That just shows we're in very strange times, isn't it? You have one goalkeeper testing positive and then two others have to also self-isolate and then they have to go and look for a goalkeeper. An emergency loan, they got that from Hearts. They signed Bobby's Lamal on an emergency loan and he played on at the weekend. I just thought at the time, it's written in the stars for uh, the Hearts goalie to go to St Mirren to play against <laughs> Hibs and have a clean sheet, save a penalty and get man of the match. But no, that didn't happen. But I still kick goal. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't to be. But he's likely to start against uh, Celtic on Wednesday. And then I'm not sure actually on the timings, but uh, he may need to play the next the game after that. And then he'll be free to, free to leave uh, and... St. Yeah, Mirren will have right. their goalkeepers back. They also they also signed Lee Irwin, the defender from Ross County, as well, just before that game. So he's St. Mirren have made some decent signings, I think, uh, this this window. And yeah, they're especially in defensive options. And um, a question that we got from a listener, uh, you might know the answer to, hopefully, anyway. Um, but what insight do we actually have on how clubs are coping with with this really odd window? particularly in terms of length, timing and coming after a season where so many clubs have a lot less revenue kicking around? Yeah, so we've seen a lot of... In Scotland, it's a bit different because the type of markets they operate in, a lot of the lower-end premiership teams would look for loans and free transfers anyway. But what what we're seeing is definitely... Uh, in terms of wages, for example, like Johnny Hayes signing for Aberdeen and then deferring his wages for the whole season, that those are the kind of deals that are are taking place where wages are either decreased or being deferred, and players agreeing to that. Interesting. That that came, by the way, from uh, the name of a toss a coin to your Witcher. So lots of interesting Twitter names kicking around. Uh, thanks a lot, Anthony. We'll be back to visit Anthony again before the window shuts, but for now we'll close the door on the distillery. A quick bit of fantasy for all of you then. Yeah! Uh, Yes, here we go. Absolute terrible week for me uh, because I got knocked off. Well, I was already second, um, but now I'm third because Laura had an absolute blinder of a weekend. Yeah. 70, almost 80 points. Absolute. Ah. Thank you very much, Rangers. Um, but will you be switching out your Rangers defenders given their injury crisis um, and the fact that they're away to hips? Not a chance. Have you seen the number of points they got me at the weekend? <laughs> as yes. far as I'm aware, Tavernier, yes, and Kent, Tavernier and Kent are not injured um, and they'll very much be staying as my captain and vice captain from now on in. Oh God! Yeah, I, I need to. I have. I had Borna Barisic in my team, and he only played fifty-eight minutes. I think so. He missed that window of getting points. So an absolute kick in the teeth. If there's for any me. consolation for you, I put John Guthrie in um, as my defender. That was my one change this week, and he got me negative points. So what I could have. Good Guff. I, Guthrie. I could have been even further ahead at the top of the table if it oh wasn't my for him. God. Uh, JJ, what about you? You're going to get. You've been. Waxing lyrical about Hamilton. Are you going to get the likes of David Templeton in? Maybe. What about Regan Memnor? Seeing as you're a fan. Waxing lyrical. 
Uh, you would never start to me outside of a podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I would. Uh, maybe. The worst um, method I am. I'm probably not getting any Hamilton players in, no. I mean, <laughs> as good as Hamilton's been, probably wouldn't put him in. If you wanted a cheap one, like the boy Mimno we're talking about, because his, his uh, chances created or key passes per game is so high, he's a chance he'll assist others, and he's very cheap, like 2.8. Uh, the one you can look at is Shanklin should be back playing Dundee United now. That might help um, some way. I think he's a bit too expensive, to be honest. Mm. And uh, even, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty awful at this game. I'm getting, uh, it's, it's doing me in. It's uh, it ruins football for me yeah, until I, I was, win. I have to say, like if you've still got your wild card, obviously the 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 mid season transfer window will happen soon. Maybe that's a time to bring it in. I'm going to hold out for that, but maybe I'm just an idiot as I seem to be sliding down the table. <laughs> um, but that's all for now for this week's show. You can obviously remember you can get in touch with us to let us know what you're liking and disliking on the podcast this season by tweeting us at the Totally Show or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts um, if that's how you're listening to us. Remember to sort yourself out with uh, the best athletic deal by heading to the Athletic forward slash the Scottish show um, and it's just time left to say thank you to JJ and Laura um, for your wonderful company um, on Zoom pretty much it's lo- lovely to see your faces from all different parts of the country uh, thanks to the Little Kicks for the tunes thanks to producer Abby for her odds and her making us sound good or bad depending on what you think and thanks all for listening we'll be back next week bye bye, bye. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta, and be sure to check out our website, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Muddy Knees Media.